0: Last week, I shared with you several snapshots of our mission work in Congo, and that passage that Lois just read gives us a snapshot of the very first mission-sending church, the church in Antioch, which is in what is modern-day Syria. Antioch was one of the main cities of the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria, and it uh, was a big city, and it was from here, the church in Antioch, that Paul and Barnabas were sent out on the first mission to the Gentiles. What we don't immediately catch in this first reading of this passage is that it's also a snapshot of a very diverse church, culturally, socioeconomically, and ethnically. The early church broke cultural boundaries right and left, and the early church was breaking down walls between people almost immediately. And this is where the mission work started in this diverse church. That's where the mission work started, the sending of people to go make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. And nations is the word in Greek, ethnos, ethnos, from which we get the word ethnic or ethnicity. I'm just here to tell you that diversity is not a new thing for the church. But let's back up a little bit. Last fall, our leadership here began a revisioning project—a project, um, process leading us now to a, a renewed strategic plan that we're working on that will guide us into the next several years, uh, guide us through the transition of the year ahead when I uh, retire next year and, and, and what our church will look like and what, the things, what things will be most important. We did a strategic plan about five years ago, and, and it has worked well, but there's been a lot of changes since then and, and new challenges uh, out there in the future. And so our leaders began last fall in sort of a discovery phase of assessing strengths and weaknesses and opportunities. We worked on values together, actual values that we, that we live into and other sort of aspirational values that we want to mark us. We did all that. We brought a value as exercise to several of you who came to a congregational meeting in the end of uh, October. And we had at 14 different tables, we had people from 40 values. Little cards with values on them, pick out 15 that they thought should be part of our church. And all 14 tables, all 14 tables picked these four diversity, compassion, faith, and respect. And 13 of the 14 tables picked love and integrity, which blend in well with those as well. At the same time, we gathered some helpful in, uh, information about our community, we did some community survey work. But we kind of drilled into this idea of diversity, and we talked about all kinds of diversities. We have uh, all kinds of diversity in terms of uh, age and age and gender and uh, length of time here in our church, uh, where we are in terms of our walk with Christ, socioeconomically, we've grown in that way. But when we spoke of it here, we really realized a lot of what we meant was our racial or ethnic diversity, small in our church but significant to us that people noted that as something they see as a strength and a value of ours. We processed this information. We prayed and we developed a sense of vision and we brought a draft vision statement to you at a congregational meeting in January. There was reaction, feedback, rewrites and overwrites and underwrites and all kinds of things and eventually we developed and affirmed this statement that you see on your bulletin cover or that I have up here. And that is that our vision is to be an increasingly diverse, compassionate community committed to knowing Loving and serving Jesus in our neighborhoods and world. We established that statement, and then we developed some statements to sort of unpack the different parts of it. And so uh, the four main parts that we're unpacking are increasingly diverse. What do we mean by that? What does it mean to be a compassionate community? What do we mean by knowing, loving, and serving Jesus? And what do we mean by neighborhoods, plural, and world? And so that's kind of where we're headed the next four weeks. Digging in and understanding um, while we get ready to take the next steps of setting some goals and actual, actual, what are we actually going to do, even though the class that we've already begun is sort of a first step on this one, a beginning to understand our diversity. The statement that we wrote under Increasingly Diverse says this, As a church, we are diverse in many ways, and we especially value the ethnic diversity with which we've been blessed in recent years. We envision growing in our understanding of what it means to truly be a multi-ethnic congregation. This will mean doing the hard work of listening and learning together about race and racial differences, all while celebrating our oneness in Jesus as seen in John's vision in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. And Kayla and the worship team have done a wonderful job of already introducing this to us, the possibilities of change, and yet this vision of heaven where we're all in our, in our differences are there present in the oneness and celebrating Christ. Some of you might be asking, why are we doing this? (laughs) Some of you may not be sure you want to press into this area of diversity. Some of you have sat through hours of required diversity training in your workplace, and you're a little weary of hearing the same things over and over. Also, in this era right now of heightened racial tensions, some of you might feel that it might be better not to head into a direction that could cause controversy. For some, it feels too political right now. But it's precisely because of those tensions and our belief that the answer is in the gospel that we do this. Our belief that the answer is in the gospel. The answer is found in a God who created all people of equal worth, value, and dignity. The answer is found in a God who sent his son to bring reconciliation, to break down the walls that divide us from God and to break down the walls that have divided us from each other. Jesus came to reconcile us to God and to one another. The answer is found in a God who calls us to love our neighbor as we love him. So that's why we move in this direction. Because we are people of the word and we are people who honor Christ and seek to follow him. We believe God is calling us to this. But here's another big reason I believe we want to do this. And this is what I'd like to say this morning. That we want to better reflect the kingdom of God in order to expand the kingdom of God. Our diversity will better reflect the kingdom of God and equip us to better expand the kingdom of God. Let's get to the word and see what it has to say about this. I want to look first of all at the early, the Great Commission and what happened in the early church. Jesus in Matthew 28, 19, some of you know this, perhaps others don't, but at the very end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus delivers what we have come to call the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age this is a call to go make disciples of all nations all ethnos all people and as the church begins its work carrying this out we see evidence right away in acts in the makeup of the early church when we go to the makeup of the church we begin in acts two um on uh, May 20th is Confirmation Sunday here, but it's also Pentecost Sunday when we read from Acts chapter 2 and we see this incredible diversity that was in Jerusalem the day that the Holy Spirit showed up. In fact, this is a a passage of Scripture that if you're going to be reading Scripture in church on a Sunday, you want to make sure you don't get this one because this is the one that says Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of god in our own tongues who wants to say all those names but all those names represent an incredible diversity that was there the day the spirit flew into town and fired up the church in Acts chapter 6 we see the first conflict in the church where the grecian widows are complaining that they are being ignored in favor of the dominant culture widows who were mostly jewish And so there was this inequity in in that early church. And so the solution for the disciples was come together to pray about this. And God had them appoint the very first deacons to make sure that all were served well. We get into chapter 8 and we see breaking through barriers to the Samaritans. And Philip with his ministry to the Ethiopian opens up the gospel. We looked at Acts chapter 10 on Easter Sunday. This is where Peter sees this vision of, of a sheep coming down with all these animals and God says, kill and eat. And Peter says, I can't eat those things that are unclean. And God says, don't call unclean what I have said is clean. And it opens up the, the door to the Gentiles. And then Peter goes to the Gentile Roman centurion Cornelius, who's ready to follow Jesus. And Peter has his eyes open, he has his mind open to a God who wants to include all kinds of people, all kinds of ethnos in his church. And the church opens up even further to people of all nations. And then we come to the text we just heard from Acts 13, where Luke takes special care to point out that the leadership team of the Antioch church was racially mixed and multicultural. The Apostle Paul is Jewish, but he's a, he's a Greek, Greekish Jew, a Hellenistic Jew, we'd call him, because he's from Tarsus, which is up in, in Asia Minor, where Turkey is today. Barnabas was Jewish as well, but he came from a Mediterranean island called Cyprus, Menian was from Herod's household, indicating he had came from a privileged and royal background. Simeon had the nickname of Niger, which literally means black, because he was from the region of sub-Saharan Africa, where the modern nation of Niger, or actually more appropriately, Niger, is located. And Lucius was from Cyrene, modern-day Libya, North Africa. Of the five leaders mentioned then, one is from the Middle East, one is from Asia, Two are from, uh, One is from the Mediterranean, and two are from Africa. And all of this in a predominantly Jewish context. One commentator I read said this. He said, The leadership in Antioch was not an accidental conglomerate of races and cultures, but an intentional sign to the surrounding world. It is no surprise then that in Antioch, this fledgling group was first given the title Christian. That's where people were first called Christian in Antioch. Since there was no other uniting factor other than what they had in Christ. They were recognizably diverse, and yet they were one in Christ. And both of those things are important. It was this congregation that became the mission-sending church, not the home church, not the mother church back in Jerusalem that was still very Jewish and kind of monocultural in its feeling. Nothing wrong with that, but it was this church that God chose to be the mission-sending church because they were reflecting the kingdom of God and they were about to now expand the kingdom of God. The message then in all of this is that we hear it in the words of Peter in Acts 10 with Cornelius uh, when he says this, he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That's Peter's profound new wisdom. We hear it also when Paul drives home his point in Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians. In all of those letters, he hammers away at the breaking down of walls between us, and he sees them as sin-built walls. Walls are there because of sin that divides us, and he summarizes it in Galatians 3:28, where he says, "There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ." Differences in these people that are observable, and yet a oneness in Christ. And so the mission then becomes is to be the church that changes the world, like at the Acts 13 church, reflecting the kingdom and expanding the kingdom. We desire to better reflect the kingdom of God in order to expand the kingdom of God. So what about us? What about the Great Commission and Naperville Covenant Church? We have a bit of a vision for Naperville. We have been blessed with an increasing diversity. And again, it's a diversity of all kinds, age, culture, socioeconomic, politically. We don't need to get into that, but there's diversity here on that. diversity in our religious backgrounds but we especially are here focused on this ethnic diversity. We could either decide that that's nice and say isn't it great that we have a, a measure of diversity and just keep doing what we're doing or we could sort of press in a little bit. We could press into a little bit and learn more and 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 possibly truly be more reflective of the diversity of God's kingdom. I've talked to some of our people of color, and I've I've run this by them and said, it seems to me that we are a white church where several people of color feel comfortable worshiping. And that's not an indictment, it's just a little bit of a description. But could we move more in the direction of truly reflecting a multi-ethnicity and be a kingdom-reflecting church? That's really the challenge and the vision before us. And Kayla did a wonderful job of expressing that as she talked about possible changes that might come in worship. (laughs) So let's move back here. Our vision comes then from this internal look of what God's doing here at Naperville Covenant. But we also uh, took a look out to Naperville and what's changing around us. In our Board of Spiritual Life, when we did some study, we did some community study, and we came up uh, with this information. Uh, here this shows a uh, uh, population by race and, race and ethnicity in Naperville uh, as of last year. 62.5% white, 12.3% Hispanic, 9.0% black, 16.2% Asian and other, is the way this describes it. This next one shows the changes though over the years, and uh, blue is two- 2010, yellow is 2017, and red is a projection. And you'll see declining white population, increasing Black, Hispanic, Asian, other. So there's a trend in our community of an increasing diversity. And here for those that like numbers better than graphs, you can kind of look across. These are I, I took this and it goes like this, but. Our screen's not wide enough, so I split it in half. But you can see the numbers there of white um, in 2010, 66.2%. In 2017, 62.5%. Projection, 59.7%. And then the numbers for African-American, Hispanic, Latino, and Asian, uh, rise Most dramatically, uh, Asian, uh, Asian population. So that just kind of gives us a little bit of a, of a splash of what's going on in Naperville and the community around us, the community where God has called us to minister. As we, um, as we become more uh, diverse and as we become more aware, um, then we will be better equipped to reach this changing community. Like the church in Antioch, we can be a multi-ethnic, multicultural sending church. Sending perhaps some around the world, but we can send each other right into Naperville's neighborhoods. Or the places where you live, the places where you work, the places where you go to school. To have a heightened awareness and understanding of our multicultural setting, we can be more effective in going, in a sense, as missionaries into those settings. We want to better reflect the kingdom of God to expand the kingdom of God. There are challenges and there are changes that would have to come eventually. Let me just repeat again what we have said as we began to unpack this vision as a leadership team. As a church, we are diverse in many ways. and We especially value the ethnic diversity with which we've been blessed in recent years. We envision growing in our understanding what it means to truly be a multi-ethnic congregation. This will mean doing the hard work, and we mean that, the hard work of listening and learning together about race and racial differences, all while celebrating our oneness in Jesus, as seen in John's vision in Revelation 7, 9-10. to It is hard work. Because we have we have perspectives on things that are hard to change. We have ways that we have learned and seen. And we, uh, the challenge is going to be to do the hard work sometimes of, of listening and, and making some adjustment. Listening is hard to do sometimes, but we, uh, we, we need to do that. We need to have our eyes open to how easily each of us sets our own standards and opinions. It's just a natural thing. But it's a really a result of sin that we make ourselves well, essentially, sin is making ourselves the center of our world, right? <laughs> and that becomes from which we make our perspective. Just as a quick aside, I, um, I like to read Rex Hupke in the Tribune. Some of you may not care for his liberal slant, but this, at Christmas time, he talked about the way he decorates his home at Christmas is the standard. And anybody who does anything different is either not taking Christmas seriously enough, it's just a little too over the top. And he's making this point of say, making himself, the way, the way I do my lights and the way I do my shrubs is just right. And anything anybody else does in my neighborhood that's different from this is not right. Do you get it? And so it's a little bit of a kind of a, a, a way of saying, we do this how with how we view the world and view one another. And those are some of the hard things to get around. In January, three of our own people shared a little bit of their stories, Ed Gilbreth and Karen Conway and Helen Lee. And when Helen spoke, she talked to us about our racial blind spots, and we need to help each other discover what those are. Some of the hard work is learning about systemic racism. None of us, none of us believes that we're racist, and, and, and we're not really in our core. We want to love all people as Jesus loves us. And yet there's systems in our the way our country works and the way things have worked in history that are just sort of stuck in place, and, and they really are evil systems, and we need to understand some of those things that have blocked certain people. It's given certain people privileges and prevented others from moving forward. We're going to have to do the hard work of understanding what those are. And we're going to need to name the sin that's in the imbalances of value and power that we give to some and not to others. We need to name the sin that's in that, not just the political differences or the personal irritation, but the sin. The results of sin builds barriers and assigns different values of people we need to confront. And then there's the changes that we as a church will need to make. Changes in our leadership. Changes in our worship and music. Changes in our priorities for mission. A more active pursuit of, of a biblical justice when we encounter injustice as a multi-ethnic church. And why would we bother? Because we want to better reflect the kingdom of God in order to expand the kingdom of God. I used the term snapshot when I started my sermon. I asked Megan this morning when I was going up. I said, "Do people use, still use the term snapshot?" I mean, that comes from that comes from like a, a, a camera with film in it. But I think that sense of catching catching a glimpse of something is that still part of our culture? Do we say snapshot. Anybody under thirty use the word snapshot? You do okay. Good. Thanks. All right. Good. Just good. (laughs) Kayla is my millennial consultant. So yeah. Um, We get a snapshot of this church in Acts. We get a snapshot. I'm giving you a few snapshots of Congo. But one more time, I want to look at this text from Revelation and see that this is a snapshot of heaven. John had this incredible vision. This crazy vision. And he looked and he said, before me was a great multitude that no one could count. And it's a vision that included visible diversity. I could see people from different nations, from different tribes, different people groups, and singing and praising in different languages. And they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the kingdom of God and the perfect heaven and earth that God will establish when we when all the multicolor, multi-diverse uh, backgrounds that we bring with us with a visible diversity, with different stories and yet with one story that comes and bows before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to reflect the kingdom of God so we can better expand the kingdom of God and live into this reality that will be in heaven around the throne. Amen.